and chewy on some hot nigga. Like I talk to Shy C when I shot niggas. Like you seen him twirl, then he drops nigga. And we keep the mind millies on my block nigga. And Monte keep it on him, he done drop niggas. And he be wildin', he some hot nigga. Tones known to get busy with them clocks nigga. Try to run down and you could catch a shot nigga. Running through these checks till I pass out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, on a glorious Tuesday. I am 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast. Fifth grade. Anyways, great episode today. We're going to review all the games that happened this weekend. Pause the music. I always like to record the podcast in the afternoon. I like to have the news cycle go through its daily cycle so that way I just I make sure I don't miss anything. Tuesdays are one of the only days where I'm just like, I don't really care. Just record it whenever. So I'm recording this like at an appropriate time, like 12 o'clock, getting it done. Mm. So excited to not have to record this at like 10 o'clock at night. I'm pausing my music. Got to talk about the Dallas Cowboys Monday night football game. We're also going to talk about and review all of the games that happened in the NFL. Going to also look at some college football as well. AP top 25. Going to look at it. Going to check it out. Then we're going to peace out. Good podcast. First podcast of the week coming up, ladies and gentlemen. 24th podcast. Obviously, hot boys or hot boy, Bobby Schmurda. I don't like to say the N-word, but it's hot N-word. That's the actual title. I was debating on playing multiple different songs for the opening of the podcast. I was just like, yeah, you know, the Cowboys won in a pretty, you know, good, convincing fashion. Won a very important game. Get the fucking New York Giants out of my face. I don't want to hear anyone tell me that they're a good football team. Out of my face. And finally, like the UFC guy, it's time! I don't remember what his name is called, but it's like, and now the main event, UFC, like what? Like, oh God, sorry. I just wanted to do the it's time, or technically end now, but I, regardless. Uh, I finally have a winning record. Finally, for my game day picks. Please, can we get some celebration music going? Can we get some? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, finally. I was so sad. Week one, when I went eight and eight. Very, 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 very rare loss. Very, very rare piece of mediocrity that week was. Terrible week. Week two, same thing. I'm starting to doubt myself a little bit. I'm like, Jesus Christ, but I'm still hanging in strong. And I, you know what? Tough times don't last. Tough people do. I fucking got 10 out of 16 games. 
pause the music. I don't want to celebrate too hard. I don't want to celebrate too hard. Because, you know, 62.5% of my games picking 10 out of 16 games correctly. I don't want to celebrate it too hard. You know, I'm, I'm used to getting 13, 14 games a week. But, but, progress is po progress. Unpause my music. Cowboys clutched it in for me, which is why I was like, eh, maybe I should, maybe I should play. How about them Cowboys? Weedem boys, I don't know. There were so many different choices that I could have played, but I didn't. I'm still very annoyed with the Chiefs. All right, that's enough celebrating. I'm done. Pause. Okay. It's enough. It's enough. I said I don't want to celebrate too much. Celebrate, celebrate progress. Don't celebrate too much. Okay. So let's start off with the Mac Daddy. Let's start off with... Probably one of the biggest games of really the week. Cowboys at Giants. Sunday night football. The narrative going into this game, Dallas is a fluke. Dallas is a joke. Dallas won't be good. By the way, I love how like Kyle Brandt, I'm watching Good Morning Football for the first time. Actually, let me change this. Let me change this. I like woke up today and I was just like, you know, I didn't go to the gym today because I was... I was like, yeah, you know, I worked out la last night, or not last night, but yesterday. I'm like, I don't need to go to the gym. I don't need to go to the gym. I'll go to the gym tomorrow. So I wake up this morning. I'm like, just get up at five. Just get up at five. Don't be lazy. Get up. Got up. Stayed in bed. Here I am, a couple of hours later. A couple of hours later, more like seven. <sighs> Gosh. But, uh,. Got up and I was watching some Good Morning Football. Now I'm watching Gundam Wing because, yikes, Good Morning Football. Because I was curious to see what people have to say. I'm not curious, or I don't watch these shows for information or for entertainment, really. I more or less watch a lot of these shows now for curiosity's sake. I'm like, what are, what are people saying? What do people who have large audiences, what are they saying? What, do people, what are people listening to is essentially what I was curious about. And Kyle Brandt, oh God, he said something weird. He said, like, <clears throat> you know, uh, like, uh, like we, we never talk about the Cowboys or I never talk about the Cowboys until they're warranted. And it's just like, you talk about the Cowboys all the time, dude, for ratings. Like, stop. I talk about the Cowboys too, but because I'm actually a fan and I actually like the team. And it's just like, just say it. Just say it. Look, our ratings would be down if we don't talk about the Cowboys on a daily basis. Just say that. People would understand it. Like, I'm tired of all these media people trying to, like, be like, well, we have journalistic integrity and we report on the Cowboys because uh, they're, they're whatever, or I don't know. But everybody hates talking about the Cowboys. Like, if you hate talking about the Cowboys, then don't talk about them. Jesus Christ. Anyways. We will talk about the Cowboys here. So, big takeaways from the Giants versus the Cowboys. One of those takeaways, simply put, was and is that the Dallas Cowboys, probably one of the best teams in the NFL. Let me actually check Dan Houseus's, uh power rankings. He's, uh, he's the guy that does the NFL's power rankings <clears throat> for the NFL Network. Uh, I don't really care that much about power rankings that much. 
And really, even when I did care, it was kind of more to be like, to correct it. And even further than that, now it's just like, I'm once again curious to see what people have to say. Uh, let me look it up. NFL power rankings. There's just no way he watches all the games too, by the way. All right. He just put it up four hours ago. Let me see it. Okay. This. Boom. All right. Should I also talk about the Eagles? Not the Eagles, but the, the power rankings in general for him. Again, I don't... Like, I haven't talked about the NFL power rankings for really, like, really in a long time because it's just like power rankings in the NFL doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah, I got to talk about this. I got to talk about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got to talk about this. What? What? Okay, I just saw the Cowboys. I'm like, okay, that's that's better. That's better. It's so weird watching people's power rankings. <clears throat> okay. God, his power rankings are so bad that I literally like lost my train of thought. I was like, what was I talking about? I was like, oh yeah, let me talk about the Dallas Cowboys here. So, Cowboys won last night 20... Three to seventeen. As I like pull up the game schedule, I forgot to refresh the page. I apologize. Yeah, twenty-three to sixteen. I apologize. Won the game off of really a final stop and an interception by Trevon Diggs. Awesome, awesome, awesome corner. We'll talk about him and we'll talk about the Cowboys as a whole. Cowboys to me are one of the better teams in the NFL. Cowboys, to me, are probably one of the best teams in the NFL at this point. And I think they are a quarterback away and better offensive play away from really being a top 10 team. I don't think they're a top 10 team now. I just, I want to make that very, very clear. I do think, however, they can be. And it all depends on how good Dak Prescott plays. I mean... There's no way that you could, that you watched that game last night and are like, oh, Dallas is a terrible football team or Dallas is an average football team. CeeDee Lamb, who had like four or five drops last night, still had a touchdown, had eight receptions, and also had 87 yards. He could have easily have popped over, popped off for over 100. I mean, you want to know my opinion? <clears throat> the Cooper Rush, right... Right side of the football field throw to C.D. Lamb, which was a little bit, little bit high. Not a little bit high, but it was a little bit too far, too deep. And it just missed him. It wasn't C.D. Lamb's fault, but he just missed him. That throw paired with another, uh, paired with the crossing route, probably would have been a touchdown. That, those two throws probably would have given him an additional 60 yards. But I'll just count really the crosser because that was 1,000% on C.D. Lamb on C.D. Lamb. I'll just count that. He would have had easily over 100 yards. He would have had like 110 yards. Easily. If he had caught the crosser and if he and if Cooper Cup had thrown a better ball down the right side. And like the instantaneous reaction by C.D. Lamb or, or, on the, or on the internet, excuse me, about C.D. Lamb was, holy fucking shit, he's dropping a lot of passes. Which he did. I'm not going to say that he didn't because that's obvious. He fucking did. He did. 
But CD, even after all that, played a pretty decent game. Dallas had almost 200 yards of rush. Tony Pollard had 105 yards. Ezekiel Elliott had 73. They both averaged almost five yards per carry. Tony Pollard averaged eight yards per carry. Zeke had 4.9. Dallas's offensive line was in absolute full effect. You know what? I'm watching Gundam. I'm not doing right by you. I'm not doing right by myself. I love Gundam. Love Gundam Wing. It's better than the NFL Network shows. Let me actually watch the game. I was watching the Manning cast with the Mannings last night. And I'm like, I still recorded the actual live game, the Monday night event, the Monday night football game. So I'm like, let me just, just pop all on over and let me watch it. Let me watch it. Hold on. Let me delete the Manning cast from my DVR because it's just like I don't need it. All right. Sorry about that. But everything came together offensively for the Dallas Cowboys, especially and specifically. Ooh, ooh, I just saw the, the game day picks for the Monday night football crowd. Who is it? Everybody besides Susie picked the Giants. Mm. <laughs> Anyways. <clears throat> Giants lost to the Cowboys. Cowboys offense played really, really well all Go deeper in a second. Cowboys defense to me is what makes the Cowboys such a dangerous football team. Because even without Micah Parsons getting a single sack, Micah had Micah had a good game. Micah had a good game. Like relative for everyone else, he's had a good game. He had half a sack or half an assist, zero actual tackles. Zero solo tackles, right? This is one of his more quieter games. He didn't have a bad game. He just had a quiet game. And the reason why I say he still had a good game, he produced an incredible amount of pressure as a, uh, as a defensive lineman, as a linebacker. He did a lot, but he just, it didn't result in sacks, tackles for a loss, and also, I actually, I think he got one tackle for a loss, and that was the assist, but it didn't, result into like the big boy statistics that we are very very fond of that we know of it was just like oh he had like a good game for him you know it was a great game for the Dallas Cowboys defense as a whole they got I believe six sacks on the day excuse me five sacks on the day and really they probably could have gotten somewhere close to eight or nine if Daniel Jones didn't escape from the pocket Started a run, started to, started to get a little bit mobile, a little bit aggressive when it came to his running. And Brian Dable and the Giants offense and everybody was just a disaster. But I kind of just want to go in depth here and say this. Dallas could potentially, and I've been thinking about it last night and all morning, Dallas could potentially have one of the best offensive lines in the AFL. And they also have probably the best left tackle or tackle or really just in general offensive lineman in this year's draft. I was down on Tyler Smith all fucking draft. I was like, I heard that Dallas wanted him. I knew that they had wanted him. And I was so excited when Roger Goodell said Tyler, because I thought he was about to say Linderbaum, the center from, I think it was Iowa State. Or no, I think it was Iowa or Iowa State. I don't, I don't know. Iowa and Iowa. I, Iowa football is irrelevant or not even for the most part, but just in general, it's just irrelevant. Nobody cares. 
But <clears throat> when he said, Tyler, I was about to, I jumped out of my seat because I, I thought he was going to finish it by saying Linderbaum, but he said Smith and I was crushed. And this is probably the second year in a row that I've been absolutely crushed and mortified that the Dallas Cowboys took somebody that I didn't want. They took Micah Parsons last year. I was distraught. I was crushed. I wanted Rashawn Slater. He's one of the best tackles in the NFL. He got hurt. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But I was distraught when he said Micah Parsons last year, and I was distraught when Roger Goodell said Tyler Smith this year. And they are two of the best players in their respective draft classes. Tyler Smith, essentially throughout the first three weeks, has lost rep-wise... Probably less than 10. Probably less than 10. Last night, he lost another one. Like, just cleanly, he was just beaten. And he had to hold. And that was his, I think, only holding penalty, I think. That was, like, actually legitimate. Like, a legitimate hold. But then, every other play has been crisp. Every other play has been solid. Every other play has essentially been elite. And he's been a dominant offensive lineman for the Dallas Cowboys. He's probably been their second best offensive lineman outside of Zach Martin. And I think that it's close. And I was thinking about this this morning. I said to myself, he's probably going to be a top 10 offensive lineman next year. Probably. This year, I don't think so. I think he's got a ways to go right now. But easily next year, it's just, it's done and dusted. He'll be one of the best. It won't even be close. He could potentially be better than Rashawn Slater. He is so technical. He just, I, I love, I love how he plays. He just gets to his fucking spot. He just, he doesn't try to, you know, out, like he has the physical strength to be able to stop, you know, a rusher to like, not, not to stop a rusher because every offensive lineman has to be strong, but he has like the physical strength to be put in bad positions and to use his strength to be able to recover. But then on the exact same, at the exact same time, he just, he never gets himself into bad positions. And when he does, he'll just hold as all offensive linemen do. He's a great football player. And he's surging. Like, this is a theme for the Cowboys after last night's game. I said this on Friday. I said, we're going to learn a lot from a lot of these football teams. It's week three. It's one of the big boy weeks. We're almost out of September. This is when teams start to show their true colors, their true faces, et cetera, et cetera. And... Dallas showed me that they are a surging football team. Tyler Smith, to me, is one of the best guards and tackles in the NFL, potentially. Ironically enough, ironically enough, I'm not saying that he's Larry Allen, but very ironically enough, like Larry Allen, the former Dallas Cowboy, who his number is now being worn by Tyler Smith, ironically enough, former tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, transitioned later on into his career into a guard, Tyler Smith Probably going to have a similar trajectory from a, as a career where, where he's going to play tackle or did play tackle in college, but he's going to potentially switch to guard later on in his career, and he's going to be great at it. Hell, he's great at playing tackle right now. But I saw this in the preseason, and I saw this in the regular season. I was just like, he's a super smart, methodical player who knows where he's going to go. Like Josh Ball, another Cowboys offensive lineman, I saw him play in the preseason, and I was like, he doesn't, he doesn't know what he's doing at all. Tyler Smith is like, I know exactly what I'm doing. Like, all the time. Every single time. He's just like, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I'll always be in good position. 
So Tyler Smith, super awesome football player, Dallas. And I thought, and I saw that they put in Jason Peters, the former left tackle slash left guard for the Eagles and for the Bears. And I saw him play. And when I saw him get into the offensive line and how the Dallas Cowboys started to move the ball and run the ball with him, I was like, uh oh, uh oh. Uh-oh, he was in for like a couple of snaps because I think Matt Farniok was either hurt or they took him out. Regardless, they were just like, hey, hey, Jason, uh, let's see what you can do. And Jason was pretty fucking good for them. I'm just going to say it, Dallas probably has one of the best offensive lines in the NFL paired with a really, really awesome running game. Tony Pollard was immaculate last night 8.1 yards per carry 13 carries I'll say this Zeke was great as well Zeke was great when it came to cutting back which I didn't think was a skill that he would learn at all whatsoever and it has aged him beautifully as a running back who has lost not really power but really speed And who really initially as an offensive, not an offensive lineman, excuse me, as a running back, really would never lose any yards regardless because of how big, how strong, how violent he is. How easy it was for him to be able to get positive yardage, even in a negative play, it's just like it should be a tackle for a loss, but it's just no gain, you know, like one of those plays. And Ezekiel Elliott was just immaculate last night as well. I was watching him in his cutbacks, and I was just like, Zeke isn't the best running back on the team, and that's very obvious because Tony Pollard was just hitting everything. He was getting everything. I was like, he's not the best running back on the team, but he's pretty fucking awesome. He still is. I think even now, Dallas probably has the best running back core in the NFC, so I don't think that's controversial controversial at all some people are going to tell me Saquon 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 had 5.8 yards per carry 14 carries really one carry was the big boy carry it was it was essentially the carry that that evens out some of the averages and some of the he had like two good ones two three runs that essentially amount to the majority of his yards but um yeah beyond that they kind of bottled him up and some people are going to tell me, well, he had X amount of yards, but it was just like, again, the game was over with for the most part. Dallas was awesome. Running the ball, they were awesome. They were okay throwing it, to be honest with you. They were all, they were all right. They had a shit ton of drops. Offensive line is, oh God, the offensive line is super awesome for the Cowboys. Defensive line, though, is super, 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 super interesting. So, Dallas had five sacks. Demarcus Lawrence had three. Finally, he shows up. He's getting paid like he's a top-tier defensive lineman. He has been getting paid for... This is probably his best game of his career, probably, I think, Demarcus Lawrence. And it's certainly his best game in, like, three, four years. I always talked about how I'm like, when was the last time Demarcus Lawrence had two or more sacks in a game? And the trick question was that he's essentially never had... I think a three-sack game, and he really has never in the like the last two, three years has had a three-sack game, a two-sack game. And so it's a little bit of a trick question. But it's very, very, it's very, very like telling of him as a player. Because Micah has had multiple two-sack games in the last two weeks or three. Yeah, 
two weeks, really three weeks since the start, since the start, excuse me, of the season, but you know what I mean. It hasn't been a great showcasing for Demarcus Lawrence, and he had a great showcasing tonight, or technically last night. Donovan Wilson, the safety, was everywhere for the Dallas Cowboys, replacing J. Ron Curse. They don't even have their starting safety, by the way. That, like Dallas is super hurt. Dorrance Armstrong came in, had another sack. I was super high on Dorrance Armstrong last year. I saw Dorrance Armstrong, the former, I think he's four or five years into the league, the former Kentucky defensive lineman. I saw him play last year, and I was just like, Dorrance Armstrong is it has like five sacks on the year, but last year, of course. But I said to myself, I was like, he probably should have like somewhere close to 10. He just didn't finish the plays. Like he just couldn't finish off the plays. And I mean, he's 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 finished he's finishing a lot of fucking plays this year. I'll say that. Another sack today or last night. I think he's up to like three, maybe four sacks. He is he's a pretty good defensive lineman for the Dallas Cowboys. The unique coverages that they're showcasing off or the unique fronts that they're showcasing to the Giants. Paired with the Giants' inability to block people. I'll get on Evan Neal and the Giants here in a couple of minutes. But last night to me, it was 23-16. to 16. It really wasn't even that close. It probably should have been a blowout. I think if Dak, I think if they trusted Cooper Rush a little bit more, which I don't think they do, I think it probably could have and should have been a blowout. In my opinion. Kind of on the flip side of the game, talking about Dallas, I want to go to the Giants here. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, are the Giants in trouble. So, I said this when I was talking about the Cowboys. I'm not a fan of Zach Taylor, the, the Cowboys and the Bengals last week. I'm not a fan of Zach Taylor. I hate Zach Taylor. I think he's a joke, the head coach. And I said, look, Zach Taylor is putting his quarterback in positions to be unsuccessful in, the Bengals just got out coached and out schemed last week. Tyler Smith had dominated Trey Hendrickson, but also, admittedly, he was given a significant amount of help from the offensive line, from the tight ends to the running backs to how fast Cooper Rush was getting the ball in and out of his hands. So he didn't even have to really worry about Trey Hendrickson, one of the premier pass rushers last week against the Bengals. But Tyler, or excuse me, the Cowboys were able to out-scheme the Bears defensively. They knew exactly what the Bears were doing defensively. Excuse me, offensively. Defensively, they were dominating them. Hold on, let me take a fucking Advil. My head is pounding right now. Hold on. Sorry about that. But the Cowboys knew what the Bengals offense was doing last week and they knew exactly what the Cow- what the what the uh, what the Giants defense was doing this week as well. You heard a lot of conversation if you watched the game last night. If you did, if you didn't, it's regardless it's my job to tell you what happened. If you watched the game last night, you probably heard consistently of Wink Martindale, Wink Martindale, Wink Martindale. He's this great defensive mind. Peyton played against him. Troy Aikman has a lot of respect for him. Da-da-da-da-da. Everybody has a lot of respect for him. 
Cowboys were fucking all over his shit last night. They knew what he was doing. They knew what the Giants were running. They completely locked down Kayvon Thibodeau, and they also locked down Aziz Ojolari, two good pass rushers in my opinion. They locked both of them down to the point and to the extent of Dallas had zero sacks, and really Dallas had like maybe a couple of pressures. Cooper Rush had pretty clean pockets whenever they threw via smart play calling, smart decision making, so that way it wouldn't be very obvious when the Cowboys were going to throw the football, but even when they were going to throw the football, they made sure that they had Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, excuse me, contained. They knew exactly what Wink Martindale was running. It was a joke, actually. I was just like, huh, they're able to run the football, they're able to throw the football. They started to take shots. That was one of Dallas's biggest insecurities of the last... Couple of weeks, they were like, we can't take shots. And then Dallas was like, no, we can't. Yes, we can. We 1,000% can take shots. We're going to take shots. And they did. And they were intelligent shots. And down the right, they had three deep shots that to me should have probably have gone for touchdowns. Or at least big gains. Like 30 to 40 yard gains. They had the CD Lamb crosser, which he dropped. They had the CD Lamb down the right side nine route that was overthrown and another overthrown ball to Jalen Tolbert, their third round wide receiver from this year, from this year's draft. They had a bunch of overthrown balls and they had a drop. And I was like, oh, Dallas probably should have been able to have blown out the Giants because they had schemed up big plays. And the plays were successful, by the way, outside of the drops and the overthrown ball. I was like, oh, like the DB is beaten. If this is a perfectly thrown ball, maybe not a perfectly thrown ball, but if this ball is thrown on target, it's it's a 30, 40-yard completion, and C.D. Lambs' crosser that he dropped, it's a touchdown. It's like, oh, they, they know exactly what Wink Martindale is doing. But my main concern for the Giants was and is Evan Neal. I mean, oh my God. How, how I'm, I'm re-watching the game. Demarcus Lawrence just got a sack off of Evan Neal. Just straight up got a sack off of Evan Neal. And Micah Parsons really was getting held all game long, which is another reason why he didn't have like a great game. He was being held a lot. But Evan Neal, man, was terrible last night. And I've seen the Giants games for the most part for the last couple of weeks. Evan Neal is, has been this bad for the last couple of weeks as well. He's been really, really fucking bad. And it's a bit of a yikes. It, it scares me a little bit. A little bit. It scares me a little bit. No, it scares me a lot. He's been terrible. And the reason why it scares me, and I pair this with Kayvon Thibodeau a little bit in his performance tonight, and I get it, he's coming off of an injury, so maybe I'm rushing to conclusions a little bit. But Evan Neal... Over the last, like, I mean, it wasn't even this week. It was the preseason game against the Patriots, where the Patriots were putting in their backups, and the Giants had caught the Patriots off guard because the Giants, it was like, I don't know if it was reported or not that they were going to play their starters. It was, like, week one of the preseason, so it was, like, it was kind of, like, up in the air whether teams were going to play their starters or not. The Giants did, and Evan Neal was terrible against the backup Patriot players. I was like, what the fuck is going on 
with Evan Neal. I thought that it was like a terrible example of of how of how badly he was being coached. And I'm rewatching the game, man, and it's just like every single play, the first series for the Giants. It's like, it's like if it's not Micah Parsons in the backfield, it's Demarcus Lawrence. If it's not Demarcus Lawrence, I just saw a play on first and ten. It's it's Neville Gallimore who's a defensive tackle, and he's just I'm just like I don't I don't really get it, you know. I don't know if he like I don't know if he's being improperly coached. I don't know why he is this bad. He should not be this bad when last year he was like unstoppable at left tackle. I don't know if it's the transition from left tackle to right tackle. It could be, but it shouldn't be like he literally has no idea what he has to do with his hands. It should not be that bad. And it is that bad. It's just like he has no idea what to do with his hands at times. He is taking improper like angles and steps and guys are beating him. He doesn't know how to play inside or outside. It's like he's forgotten how to play fucking offensive line. It's like, what? I don't understand it. Like even, like I'm watching this play where he has help. He has help. And by the way, he holds the fuck out of Micah Parsons. Like he probably, like as much as people want to make it, and, and Dallas had a lot of penalties last last night as well. As much as people want to make it out, like Dallas, Dallas, Dallas is penalty prone, but Dallas is penalty prone. Like Evan Neal probably should have had like five, five, five holding penalties alone. It's insane how many times he holds. I'm like, I'm watching him on this third and 10 play at the Giants 29. It's like the first quarter of the game was seven minutes, 55 seconds left in the, in the quarter. And they're inside the Cowboys territory. And I'm like, I'm watching him and he gets like a chip from the tackle. He gets like a chip, from, not from the tackle, excuse me, from the tight end. He gets a chip. And Micah Parsons beats him inside. And it's just like, all you have to do is stay inside. And somehow Micah Parsons, or no, no, Micah Parsons doesn't beat him inside. He beats him outside. And it's just like, he, he has to hold the fuck out of Micah Parsons. Or else he's going to get beaten. I'm like, I'm rewatching the play. Yeah, he just, I don't know what happens. I really don't. Daniel Jones gets flushed from the pocket and he throws like an incomplete ball. Like, okay. All right. It was uh, it was a tad bit ridiculous. How bad Evan Neal was playing. And Saquon Barkley, look, everybody knows it. Everybody's like, oh yeah, by the way, um, I forgot. Dallas blocked the punt or blocked the field goal on the next play, and I was just like, oh my god. When I saw this play, I was going, I was going fucking ballistic. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe Dallas blocked the field goal. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it's not a very good game for the Giants, and I think it's. I think it's a referendum on Brian Dable. Look, I've said it for the last two weeks. I'm like, I I don't believe like he shouldn't have lost. He shouldn't have won against the Panthers. He shouldn't have won against the Titans. Both teams played like shit. Both teams, and I remember saying this about the Panthers and how they had fumbled like twice on their two first drives of the game. It fumbled twice, and it gave the Giants all of their points that they needed to beat the uh, the Panthers. It gave them six points out of 19. It was The final score was 16 and 19. And then for some stupid reason, the Titans just, like, stopped playing football and let Saquon Barkley just run all over their football team. It was a joke at the end of the game. I was so pissed off. But with all of that being said... 
The Cowboys expose the Giants, thank God. Three weeks into the regular season, I think the NFC East is a two-team race. Eagles being one, being the one seed, obviously, in the division. Cowboys being the number two seed. And they're going to play in a couple weeks, and I think it's going to be a very interesting game. And depending on what the Cowboys can do here in the next couple of weeks, uh, I, I, I think the Cowboys can potentially shock some people and win that game. We will see, though. But Cowboys on the uptick. Cowboys probably one of the better teams in the NFL, in the NFC. Giants are, I mean, they're a disaster. But I don't think you needed me to say that for, for, uh, for you. Like, I don't think I needed to say that for everybody to know that they're a disaster. But like, even further than that, like, they've made changes constantly and consistently over the last couple of years with, like, head coaches and quarterbacks and offensive linemen, da-da-da-da-da, and they're still terrible. That's, like, the shocking thing is that they've, like, actually tried to make changes and they're still god-awful. Brian Daybell's terrible. And his coaching staff is, uh, is, uh, isn't very much better than him. Anyways, yeah, I think that's it for the Cowboys and the Giants. Super excited to see what the Cowboys are going to bring in the next couple of weeks. We will see. Where should I begin with kind of a summary of the weekend? Wow, just spent 30. I'm like, I, I, like, I looked at the time and I'm like, wait, I just spent 37 minutes on the Cowboys. Yikes. That's a lot. Anyways, 10 and 6 was my week three game day prediction record. Won a lot of games, lost more games than I would like. One of those being the, and I talked a little bit about this on Sunday. I talked about the 49ers and the Broncos and the Green Bay Packers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, I think the 49ers. Not the 49ers. I think the Broncos are a joke. I think the Packers are a joke. I think Aaron... And yeah, they beat the they beat the Bucks. And I'm looking at people overreacting like Dan Houseus. Where where does he have the Bucks? He has the Bucks at eighth overall. And he has the Packers at four, which I don't I don't understand at all. Like you don't watch that game and you're like, wow, the Packers are the fourth best team in the NFL. You watch that Packers game against Tampa Bay and you're like, wow, they were lucky to uh to win that game with all of those injuries at wide out to Tampa Bay. That's like the main conclusion that you draw from that game. But the 49ers versus the Broncos and the Green Bay Packers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are two perfect, pristine examples of go out and win the game. Close the door. Win the game, please. Don't just fucking... Don't just in the Packers case do nothing, essentially for a half... And the same thing goes for the 49ers where they're just like, we're better than the Broncos. We're better. We're better. They're better. We're better. And they just leave the door open. 
The Broncos fucking come in swinging, and Jimmy Garoppolo throws essentially a game-ending interception, very similarly to how Daniel Jones did proactively win the football game. You're against Tampa Bay. You're against the Denver Broncos. You should be scoring points. You should be significantly more motivated to score points, knowing who's across the field from you. But both teams just refuse to be aggressive, and they, they got their asses chewed up for it. Tampa Bay almost beating the Packers. The Broncos obviously beating the 49ers. And look, I said it on Sunday where I was like, I feel like if the 49ers, excuse me, I feel like if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, they would have won that game. They would have won it. The Packers completely took their foot off the gas and fell asleep at the wheel. It was a joke of how just lackadaisical the Packers were against the Bucs. And my main takeaway from that game is, oh yeah, the, the Packers, they're not Super Bowl contenders. Aaron doesn't trust any of the wide receivers on the team outside of Alan Lazard. One of his best wide receivers probably in Christian Watson isn't being utilized at all, at all. You look at the box score and you're like, he has not either a reception or even a target. Like Google will tell me, these are the players that have targets. These are the players that also have, like, at the if if you go to Google and you type in a game and you look at the box score of the game on Google, Google will tell you what players had targets. Christian Watson didn't have a target. A guy named Jawan Winfrey, I don't know who that is, he had a target. Christian Watson is their second round pick. Jalen Tolbert didn't have a great preseason. He was kind of put in the doghouse. Jalen Tolbert had one reception for four yards. He's, he wasn't great, and really... He was the guy that they trusted down the right side of the football field. Cooper Rush puts a better ball. He gets 30 yards. A guy in the doghouse gets a chance. Doghouse. Like, what, what do people want me to do with this? It's not even if Tampa Bay plays better. It's just give Tom his weapons. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. One of them. A healthy Russell Gage, please and thank you, who doesn't drop passes and fumble the football. Tampa Bay, to me, is a contender. They have some issues at offensive line and potentially at wide receiving core when it comes to the health of their wide receivers because I don't know when, Christian, uh, when Chris Godwin is going to be back. I said that they shouldn't play him week one, and they did. They rushed him back, and then he got hurt again. So they don't have Gronk. Leonard Fournette had a good game. I don't know. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a great team. Or it's still a good team. I don't know if they're a great team. I don't know if they're a Super Bowl contender right now. It's so hard to pick, like, who's a Super Bowl contender in the NFC when there are just glaring issues with so many football teams in the NFC. But Tampa Bay, to me, is... They're still a contender. They're still a great team. Playoff contender. I'm like mixing up my words in a word salad. They're still a good team. And I think they're a great team. I just, I haven't seen it yet. So. Broncos. Daniel Hackett needs to be fired, honestly. I feel like the Broncos should be 0-3. They like barely beat the Texans. They barely beat the Niners. And what was one of the worst games of the weekend on Sunday Night Football? An absolute fucking disaster. The Broncos go up against the Raiders this Sunday. Unless, I mean, look, 
We'll talk about the Raiders here. If the Raiders don't beat the Broncos, I'm going to, I mean, honestly, on it, well, it depends. It depends on how badly the, the Broncos play. If the Broncos play as badly they have, as they have played in the last three weeks, the Raiders should fucking destroy the Broncos. If they play as bad, if they play like moderately good, then I think the Raiders will lose. But oh my God, man, the Broncos are just such a fucking disaster. Like everything, and I talked about it on Sunday. Let me play you this clip that I found of Nick Wright. And I said I was going to play this clip on Sunday. This is very important. This is essentially how, what's his face? This is how Nathaniel Hackett apparently was able to get his job with the Denver Broncos. Let me, um, let me play it. Here we go. I may get an ad. I'll just refresh the page because I, I don't know if it's broken or not. Yeah, I was like, I, I'm probably going to get an ad. This is Nick Wright. He's like a Fox Sports 1 analyst. He has his own show, What's Right, What's Right with Nick Wright. He has his own show. I actually like the show over the show that he's on right now. That's the weird thing. It's just like, I like this show. I wish he did this show more but here he is and he's also wearing jordan six i love i love nick wright so much he's from kansas city missouri i don't know i don't know i'm like he wears jordans <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i don't know man he wears I, I don't know he talks about very important stuff in a very informed way i like he, he he's great at poker I've seen some of his clips on poker go. I'm like, oh, like, Nick Wright's a little bit of a brother. He's a little bit of a brother. Wouldn't think so, but he's a little bit of a brother. Anyways, uh, here he is talking about Nathaniel Hackett and the Denver Broncos. Until proven otherwise, if the spread <laughs> is less than three and Denver is playing a good coach, Nathaniel Hackett is a must fade. Blindly bet against Hackett until proven otherwise. There is no reason to have any faith in Nathaniel Hackett's operation, his ability to get plays in, anything. The Bronco crowd is our A little bit about the whole he had you should have little faith in how he gets plays in is Dude, like, there are times where he will, like, where his team, okay, and I saw this on Sunday Night Football, and I saw this for the last couple of weeks, there's times where, like, his team will either, like, borderline have a delay of game or just straight up have a delay of game as, like, an offense at a home game. It's just like, what? Like, the confusion, the play calling, like, all that stuff, it's, it's weird, it's off, it's basic stuff. And do you want to know what? I talked about it. I said, look. Nathaniel Hackett has never been an offensive coordinator and Nick Wright will go further into like his relationship with the Packers because he was a Packers assistant. He was, I think, the quarterback's coach. But Nick Wright will get into exactly why the Broncos got him, which is almost unbelievable. And it'll also explain like, it's just like, oh, like this is why he has zero experience as like an offensive coordinator. Angry? The Niners, on the other hand, because the players do have a true affinity for Jimmy Garoppolo, might be playing with a little more energy. 
I know it's in Denver, and I know it's a desperation spot for Denver. By the way, a little bit of context. This is before the game was played, so that's why he's talking about that's, – that's why he thinks the 49ers will win. Coach is utterly incompetent. Can he really be this bad? I mean, he did get this – get a head coaching job. He interviewed and got the job. Denver thought they were getting Aaron Rodgers. And Collinsworth told us Rodgers loved him because they played darts together, and he made him laugh. Not because he was some genius schematically. January 27th, Nathaniel Hackett gets hired. Two days later, Rodgers re-signs in Green Bay. Denver panics, makes the rust trade. But they hired a guy because they thought it would mean Rodgers would go there. Used him as means to an end. Uh, exactly right. Be if some up-and-coming podcasting platform was like, hey, no, we're going to make the face of our... Sports unit, Demonze. And That's then I re signed with Fox. They're going to be like, oh boy. <laughs> uh, let's see how this thing works. <laughs> so the story, according to Nick Wright, is that essentially the Broncos, if you didn't get it, Broncos wanted Rodgers. They saw Nathaniel Hackett as, I'm quoting them, a means to an end for Aaron. Aaron signs. The big deal contract with the Packers, the extension after Nathaniel Wright, not Nathaniel Wright, excuse me. Nathaniel Hackett goes to Denver, meaning that he just, he didn't want to go there. And then I don't think they panic traded for Russell. I think it was, I think it was a pretty good trade overall, but they traded for Russell Wilson and uh, it's been a disaster ever since, essentially. It's been, it's been horrible. It's been terrible. They've been a joke. Denver has been a joke. I, I really don't know what else to say about Denver besides holy fucking shit. They are in uh they're in fucking trouble. I I don't see I don't see how they win games. I really don't. Especially in the AFC West. Who are the Broncos against in the next couple of weeks? Like how many games? Like I cannot believe Russell is this bad though, too. It's like ugh, ugh, ugh. It's like Raiders, Colts, Chargers, Jets, Jags are the next five weeks for the Broncos. And it's just like, I don't know who's going to win those games. I don't. I don't. It should be always. It should always be the Broncos. I feel like the Broncos on paper are a better team than all of them, but they're just so horrendously cut. I don't, I don't know if they're going to go to the playoffs. Like, they have six incredibly... They haven't even started their series against the Chiefs. And they go up later on in the season. They go up against the Rams, the Ravens, the Cardinals. I just... I don't know. They could have like six straight losses in the final six weeks of the season. And really, they're lucky that they're going up against the AFC South. Otherwise, they wouldn't get the disasters that are the Colts, the Jags. Not the, not the Jags. The Jags are actually like kind of a playoff team. But the Colts, the Titans, and the other Texans. Who they almost lost to, by the way. Like, like, oh my God, dude. What the fuck? It's a bit of a joke. Sorry if I'm rehashing a little bit. But the Jags, to me, beating the Chargers 38-10. to 10, I think they're a playoff team. Interestingly enough, because their division is like such a disaster 
the AFC South. They're two and one. They're one game up against the Colts and the Titans. Colts shouldn't have won this weekend, by the way. Um, and the, and they have a tie, so I think the yeah the Colts are ahead of the uh, the Titans. Well, the Titans are a disaster. The Colts are a disaster. The Texans are zero and two and one. Really should have been like one two and zero. Oh. They shouldn't have a tie, but it is what it is. Texans though, disaster. Colts disaster. Titans disaster. Jags. It's funny. It's like Doug Peterson comes in. Jags win some games that they really shouldn't. They compete well. This weekend, they're against the Eagles, which will be a very interesting game. But man, oh man, oh man. Beating the Chargers 38-10 to was a great win for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Even further than that, it's just like, what's like? I think the Chargers are done this year. They just lost Rashawn Slater, their left tackle, for the year. He has, like, ruptured biceps. Joey Bosa was hurt, and now he has like a weekly groin injury, it seems. And Justin Herbert played, and I said, don't fucking play him. Just wave the white flag. Don't play him. They played him. And here we are where he could potentially consistently hurt his ribs instead of potentially healing. But, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, uh, the Chargers, man, I, I, I just don't see them making it to the playoffs this year. I don't. I don't really get it. I've been so low on the Bears every single week. And they are now one of the uh one of the one of the better teams in the NFL. When it comes to to clarify, when it comes to their record, they are one of the better teams in the NFL. Overall-wise, they are one of the worst teams in the NFL. I was wrong about them losing to the Niners. I was wrong about them losing to the Texans. I don't think I'm wrong about them being a terrible team. And realistically, if you're a Bears fan or if you're a Bears media member and you're clapping that win, I don't know what the fuck you're clapping for. Justin Fields was horrible. Terrible. 8-17, 8-17, and 17, 106 yards, two interceptions. He was terrible, terrible. And the concerning thing, if you are a Chicago Bears fan, media person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is just like this weekend with Carson Wentz getting sacked like nine times against the Eagles. With the Giants quarterback and Daniel Jones getting sacked five times, your offensive line is susceptible to pass rush, and your offensive line was destroyed by the Texans' no-name pass rushers because he gave up five sacks. Like, I don't know who Jalen Petrie is. Isn't he like a safety? Isn't Jalen Petrie a safety? Yeah, he's a safety. You want to know how many sacks you gave up to a safety? Two. You gave up two sacks to a safety. Oh, no. Excuse me. You gave up two interceptions to a safety. You gave up one sack to Jalen Petrie. I apologize. I was reading the, uh, the stats incorrectly. Jerry Hughes, you had a sack too. Jonathan Greenard and Rashim Green. No idea who these players are. You gave up 
sacks to. Technically half a sack, but it equates to a sack. And it's just like, it's just a list of like, who's who when it comes to these sacks. And it's just like, how do you get sacked this much? Who do you play next week? You go up against the Giants. It's a coin flip. You're both bad. You're both terrible. Both two of the worst teams in the NFL. Horrible. Terrible. Terrible day to be a Giants fan. Terrible. Terrible day to be a Bears fan. They're both bad football teams, and they're both two of the most prominent football teams in America. And it's just like, holy shit, they are horrible. Terrible. We'll see what happens with both teams, respectively. I cannot wait for the Bears and the, and, and the Giants to play so that way I, I'd never have to, like, really talk about them seriously ever again. Eagles destroyed the Commanders 24-8. It was a monster football game for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. It looks a little bit tight. I'm not going to lie to you. It looked a little bit tight. At first, Jalen didn't have, like, a great start to the game, and then he just turned the juices on. 22 of 35 for 340 yards, three touchdowns. ba 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 ba, ba. Miles Sanders didn't really have a great game, and neither did Jalen Hurts on the ground as well. They tried to run the shit out of Jalen Hurts, but they contained him. The big boys, Devontae Adams, or Devontae Smith, excuse me, eight receptions, 169 yards, 20 yards per catch, and a touchdown. A.J. Brown essentially had similar statistics, excuse me, five receptions, 85 yards, 17 yards per catch, and a touchdown. They were immaculate. Lions versus Panthers. I'm out on uh, on Kevin O'Connell. I'm out. I'm out. When I was going over and I was reviewing the games that I had, like, accurately predicted and inaccurately predicted I like typed in because I have the list on my computer I like typed in for the results I was like oh I I lost the um I lost the pick the Lions versus the Vikings because it was that bad of a game and even though I wasn't watching it live I was like watching it in pieces I was like it's that bad of a football game that literally I felt like both teams had lost or more specifically that the Vikings had lost I was just like this is a joke I cannot believe how bad the Vikings were playing but no, they won. Somehow, some way, Kirk Cousins was god awful. Uh, Justin Jefferson has fallen off of the proverbial cliff, and uh, he's in a contract year, right? Yeah, he is. This is his third year in the league. He's in a contract year, and mm, I don't know. Vikings second week in a row. It may be a, again. It may pre- be presumptuous. It may be presumptuous to say that Kevin O'Connell isn't a great coach. Kevin O'Connell, like, it's just the fall from grace like that, to me, makes me believe that his performance against the Packers was a bit of a fluke. To me, at least. It couldn't, it it, it could be legit. He could be a legitimate coach. It could also be just, like, straight up, he had a nice game against a football team and the Green Bay Packers that kind of sulked into the Vikings, uh, into the Vikings football team. Or into the Vikings um, stadium. I don't know. Sorry, that's my speaker if you can hear that. Vikings are a bit of a joke. 
I'll save the Ravens for last, probably. I'm not really going to talk about the Bengals and the Jets because there's no analysis that really needs to be talked about or said or read about an ass-whooping. It was 27-12. Bengals absolutely destroyed the Jets. It was a joke. Saints versus Pat Panthers is so interesting. I said, and I remember Ian Rappaport. Let me stand up for this. Hold on. I found something interesting on Twitter from a reputable source. It's from, you know, an independent media person. Somebody who I like. Somebody who I trust. And they said, Matt Rule's job, if he has another terrible performance, could essentially be gone within the next, like, week or so. And this is, like, I think uh, last week. Before the Panthers versus the Saints. And Ian Rappaport comes out and he, he refutes that claim, essentially, because the rumors were starting to swirl. And for me, it's just like, there's no need to refute a claim that isn't true. You know what I mean? There's no need to be like, oh, that's not true. His job isn't at risk when it's not at risk. You know? And again, at that point, it wasn't like Jake Tapper had come out and said something. It wasn't even that it was being reported that loudly. It was just like, quietly, his job could be at risk. Three, four days later, after I find that tweet, after I find, after I read that report, Panthers win against the Saints 22 to 14. And look, the Saints were terrible on Sunday. Like, I'm not going to be the type of person that's going to be like, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, they're great. Da, 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 da. No, they were terrible. The Saints were bad. They were bad. They were very, very bad. But I do think there is something to the report that Matt Rule cannon should be fired this game doesn't really prove anything to me about the Panthers besides you know hey congratulations they beat one of their most important insignificant divisional rivals like that's essentially what it proves hey congratulations you did it but they're still one of the worst teams in the NFL I didn't catch a lot of the game I don't know if I'll catch I don't know if I'll watch it I don't know I didn't catch like a lot of it I, I want to watch Akeem Aquanu as well because Akeem Aquanu may not be that good by the way, from what I've seen so far, but I haven't really watched a lot of the Panthers. I probably should this week take the time to watch Akeem Aquanu, the left tackle, the new left tackle, the the guy that everybody was ranting and raving on. I think everybody has been wrong about the draft classes, uh, not quarterbacks, um, left tackles, because it was Akeem Aquanu or Evan Neal. Turns out they're both not as good as Tevin, uh, not Tevin, Tyler Smith. So it happens. But the Panthers were not good this weekend. They were bad. But they weren't as bad as the Saints. No. Saints are in trouble. When they hired their defensive coordinator and Dennis Allen, I thought that it was a bad hire. I felt that they should have gone after an offensive coordinator. When Dennis Allen had gone after, um, when Dennis Allen and the Saints didn't make any move or play for a quarterback, I was a bit shocked with that, to be honest with you. Because... I haven't seen anything from Jameis Winston in the last, like, three, four years or Taysom Hill that was like, yes, like, either one of them is good, to be honest with you. And I feel like the Saints have good football players and they have great players on their team and they just, they don't have the quarterback, man. They really don't. And I just, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. They're spending a shit ton of money on the team 
hand on the players. They're paying the players a lot of money. And I just, I don't, I don't really know what they're like. How they're like, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do long-term. The saints are one of those like head scratching teams where they're like a quarterback away. Everybody is, like talks about like Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has finally like exposed himself as like, look, he's a Shanahan guy. He's a backup quarterback. Da, 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 da. He's not good. He's not good at all. To me, to be honest with you, I think Shanahan made him. I think if he wasn't on Shanahan's team, he would be a very, very bad quarterback. And I don't know if teams want to go after Jimmy Garoppolo, to be honest with you. I think you would be better set on trying to find, trying to do what the Denver Broncos, ironically enough, did with Russell Wilson and try to get like an actual quarterback, you know? Same thing goes with the Rams and Matt Stafford. Bucks with Tom Brady going after a top-tier quarterback. Because if you're a good team, it's kind of hard to go after some of the young guys. And even then, sometimes they don't pan out. So, if I'm the Panthers, or excuse me, if I'm the Saints, I'm looking for a new quarterback. And the same thing goes with the Panthers. Next year, when it comes to the draft class, it's probably going to be Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud in the top five. Like, I don't think either one of them will escape the top five. And more importantly than that, I don't think teams that need a quarterback, if they have the ability to trade for or into that first round, or into the top five. I don't think I don't think it'll be like last year where you had a shit ton of tra- teams trying to trade out of the top ten and nobody nobody was taking that bait at all. I think teams are going to be like, oh no, we have to trade into the top ten because Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are there. I think teams are going to get a lot more value. Also, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are also there in the top ten as well. We'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. But, God, man, Saints and the Panthers are such a fucking, they're disaster. We'll have to talk about that game or that series one more time because it's a two-game series. We just saw one of two. It's, it's a yikes. Banging my head against the wall, Raiders versus Titans. Like, look, I, I talked about it on Sunday. I said, I wish that the Titans would just pull down their pants and expose themselves. Just show their ass. Just embarrass themselves. Because the Tennessee Titans against the Raiders, man, I don't, like, the Raiders are such a fucking shit show. I hate the Raiders so much. They're such a disaster of a football team. Everybody and their mother, up until this point, has been able to shut down Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans running game to some degree, to some extent, because everybody and their mother knows that that's what the Tennessee Titans want to do. What do the Raiders do? Let's look. What did the Raiders do? What did the Raiders do? What did, what did they let happen on Sunday? If my internet loads. Hold on. What did they do? What did they let happen? They let Derrick Henry pop off for 85 yards. Granted, it's not a great game, but it was good enough for them to win. They just let him pop off. 20 carries, 85 yards, 4.2 yards per carry, one tutty. It was a joke. I'm like, you know, all you have to do is just stop Derrick Henry. They're going to run it 20 plus times. And they almost did. I, I don't understand it. Me, part, I don't understand it. I don't. I don't. It's like the Raiders have Devontae Adams. They have one of the best offensive minds in all of football, quote unquote. It's like there's nobody in the Titans secondary. 
I get it. Your offensive line is terrible if you're the Raiders. But you have Devontae Adams. You should not be 0-3. Like, this, my frustration essentially comes down to you should not be 0-3 if you're the Las Vegas Raiders. You have way too many good players. This team went to the playoffs last year with Rich Basachi, who, as every single week passes, and we get further and further and further and further and further along in the NFL season, it becomes more obvious and significantly more clearer that the Raiders should have hired Rich Versace as their head coach. Like, we're week three, and the Raiders don't have a win. It's a joke. And it's just like, I, I, I don't understand it. I, I really don't. I don't understand it. Let me look at the box score even closer. Let me look. <laughs> I remember watching I remember talking about this. It was just like... Devontae Adams had five catches, 36 yards. A guy named Mac Hollins. Who the fuck is that? Had 158 yards. Like, you have Darren Waller. You have Devontae Adams. And you can't fucking figure out how to get these guys the ball. And it's like, these are, like, in my opinion, I think Darren Waller is probably more agile. He runs routes like a wide receiver. He's more agile than a Rob Gronkowski. And they had no problem finding, like, ways to get the ball to Gronk when he was in New England. And it's just like, this is, this is why you should not hire a Patriot official. Don't hire a Patriot assistant coach. Stop it. Stop hiring these people. I'm tired of being like, stop hiring them, seeing teams hire them, being like, oh my God, this team has a good team, and then they suck. They suck because of the head coach. Joke. It's a joke. Bills versus Dolphins, a little bit of a disaster of a football game. I don't think, I don't think the second game... Works out in favor of the Dolphins, A, because it's going to be in Buffalo in like November, October, December, something like that. And then B, um, I don't think the Bills make that many mistakes. They threw the ball like 60 times when they did not need to at all. And like statistically, they were just, they had like, I think double the plays, double the yards, the total yards and total plays. They had double the total offensive plays, double the yards. They were just not able to finish off drives and they lost the game. 19 to 21. Really almost won it off of like a butt fumble. <laughs> oh my god, that was hilarious. But yeah, there's there's not a lot to say about the Bills and the Dolphins besides uh Mike McDaniel to me is like a real NFL coach, I think. He's 3 and 0, he's done a great job. He's put his team in positions to win and look, 3 and 0. He's just won. And I haven't seen the Dolphins be a cataclysmic disaster. Like, there's teams that I'm just like, oh, this, this guy is just not helping his team at all. Like, for example, the Bengals with Zach Taylor, uh, Matt Rule with the Panthers, Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings. There's so many, like, teams that I watch on a weekly basis and I'm like, you're not helping out your players. You're putting them in terrible positions to win and be successful in. And then I see Matt, Matt uh, not Matt, but like Mike McDaniel, who... This is like his first job or his first time really having like significant, significant 
responsibility within an organization. He wasn't the play caller. I don't think he was the play designer in San Francisco, where he's from. He's followed Kyle Shanahan. I was about to say a whole bunch of different names from Mike McDaniel to like Matt Rule to like, no, like he followed Kyle Shanahan from Washington to Atlanta to now San Francisco. And then he left and he became the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, where he's having a tremendous amount of success against Hall of Fame head coaches and really, really good football teams. And look, I know that the game was messy. I know that the game was a little bit dirty. Guess what? I don't really care. The objective of the game when you put cleats to grass is to win. And he won, 19 to 21, against one of the best teams in the NFL. Now, I'm not going to overreact and be like the Dolphins are one of the best teams in the NFL, like Dan Halsey's. I think they have like some issues with consistency where they just cannot... Like, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle one week will pop off for over 160 yards, but the Baltimore Ravens will a little bit, like, they'll kind of choke the game a little bit. But both their star-studded wide receivers will pop off for 160 yards, and then they'll kind of, like, start to fade in the second, in, in, uh, in the next week game, in the game next week. Like, there's a little bit of inconsistency with the Dolphins and their passing attack, at least in my opinion. But I'm not going to, like, for example, I'm not going to talk about I'm not going to talk about the Dan Housey's power rankings, but I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about the Dan Housey's power rankings that much, excuse me. But in the case of the Miami Dolphins, I'm not going to overreact to that win against the Bills in the sense of they are now the third overall team in the NFL. They're going to the Super Bowl. They're going to contend with the Bills and the AFC. I'm not going to do that. Because I feel like that's ridiculous. But what I am going to say and what I am going to do is I'm just going to say, look, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. I don't think teams should underestimate them, and I don't think media people should underestimate them. And I think more importantly than that, I think the Dolphins are one of the better teams. I mean, I, I, I do think the Dolphins can be a threat. And I think I said this on Sunday. I said, I think the Dolphins can potentially be a deep playoff contender and can beat teams like the Bills, but I do not think that they are a better team than the Bills. That was kind of my synopsis. That was my main takeaway from the Bills and the uh, the Dolphins. I was just like, I feel like they can beat the Bills, but I don't think they're better than the Bills right now, of course. I think Tua is still a little bit inconsistent. I think so. Hold on, let me plug in my computer really fast. Hold on. But I don't think the I don't think the Dolphins the Dolphins' win against the Bills is like horrible and terrible and things of that nature. Hold on. Let me also um Should we talk about college football? Nah. Uh we we may talk about it tomorrow, but I wanna end with the NFL and who I have for potentially MVP. He's gonna get his second one, potentially, and not a lot of people are talking about him. Let me pull up his game. Final game that we're going to talk about is the Patriots versus the Baltimore Ravens. And my MVP of the NFL right now is Lamar Jackson. Lamar has played spectacularly all year. I think he's leading the NFL in touchdowns. And I said on Sunday after watching some of his game, I was like, oh, Lamar is like throwing with the same level of efficiency as Aaron Rodgers. 
Except he's like a lot more aggressive and he can get you like 100 yards on the ground. And I remember on Tuesday, or excuse me, on Monday, Skip Bayless said something kind of interesting. Let me throw something away really fast. Hold on. Sorry about that. But Skip Bayless said something really, really interesting about Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and their brass and their front office and things of that nature and what they were doing and stuff like that. And <clears throat> Skip said that he believed that the brass, the big boys, the owner of the Baltimore Ravens, all of the executives that can essentially re-sign a player or have influence over being able to re-sign a player, all of them got together essentially after the Baltimore Ravens game, and they discussed that, look, like, we love Lamar, we think he's great, but we can't potentially extend him to a long-term contract when he's giving, when he's having a rush for about 100 yards uh, as a quarterback. Now, if you don't know, if you don't remember, or you didn't hear, Lamar Jackson fucking, I don't know how he did this, he put on like 10 pounds of muscle. Or I, I don't actually, I have no idea how much money, apparent, not money, excuse me. I don't know how much weight he put on. He could be. I think somebody said somewhere he's like 230 fucking pounds. It's 230 pounds. Are you kidding me? It's 230. He's a big boy now. He's, he's ginormous. But he hasn't lost really any of that speed or agility. He's still fucking just strong. He's, he's now just strong. He's still faster than everybody on the, on the football field. I, don't, I have no idea how you gain that. That's like superhuman. Where it's just like, oh, he gains a lot of weight and he still is able to outrun like cornerbacks. It's like, it's insane. But then he's added the proficiency with his throws and he's able to throw for four touchdowns in, a, in one game. I think he threw for, for four last week against the Dolphins. Like his touchdown to interception ratio is insanity. His efficiency is insane. It's very, very obvious that the Baltimore Ravens should have paid him. I don't know of a football team that has a quarterback that is playing better than Lamar right now, if you want my honest opinion about it. Overall, like, passer and runner. And do you want to know what? I'm sick of people who hold the running against him. You know? It's not his fucking job to be the running back for the Baltimore Ravens. But do you want to know what? He fucking is. Do you want to know why? The Baltimore Ravens can't fucking run the football! They can't. They can't without Lamar. They don't have an explosive burst back. Like, I'm watching Dallas. I'm watching Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, and Derrick Henry is going to be up for a contract extension next year. Do you want to know what? Baltimore should make some fucking phone calls. Baltimore should make some phone calls. They should either be making phone calls now or they should be making phone calls at the end of the season to these agents. They should be like, look, we want it. We want to put it out there. We're interested in Derrick Henry. We're interested in Ezekiel Elliott. We're interested in Tony Pollard. It's a joke. It's like you've had Lamar for now, what, four years and you still haven't found a running back? A running back? One? Another one. It's just like, what? But yeah, like, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, and you know what? This is what pisses me off about the Baltimore Ravens. Everyone's like, Baltimore's a great organization. They have a great front office. They have great coaching. 
I'm not saying that they don't. The thing that irks me with the Baltimore Ravens is that the Baltimore Ravens were not a playoff team for three years. Three years. Like three or four years after they won the Super Bowl in 2013, they were straight up not a playoff team until Lamar Jackson came to town the first year. They were a playoff team. Last year, they probably would have been a playoff team if everybody on the Baltimore Ravens didn't get fucking hurt. Everybody on the Baltimore Ravens got hurt. They would have been a playoff team last year. They weren't. Do people care? I don't know if they care. But people always say, Baltimore has an awesome front office. Baltimore has an awesome GM. Baltimore has better coaching. And it's just like, all those guys were essentially there when Lamar Jackson wasn't, and do you want to know what? They didn't win any fucking games. They had a great defense, but that was it. Didn't win any fucking games. Didn't go to the playoffs. So, I don't want to hear the Baltimore Ravens can outlast Lamar Jackson because if Lamar Jackson, like worst case scenario, they are not able to come to terms when it comes to his contract, which at this point in the game, I don't understand why they can't come to terms. It's so obvious that he is their football team. He is their reason why they have had success. You can't even say that their defense is good because their defense has given up almost 30 points a game in the last three weeks. Like, per game. 30 points per game, insane. Can't tell me the defense is awesome. But even further and more importantly than that, like, their offense wouldn't be, wouldn't be the same without Lamar. And it wouldn't even be fucking close. But worst case scenario, let's say he does go, let's say he goes to a different football team. Let's say, like, apparently he, he posted, so he liked a tweet where somebody photoshopped him in, in a Miami Dolphins uniform. So he goes to Miami, he has Tyreek Hill, and he has, and he has um, uh, Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki. And he has, like, a good head coach. And a good defense, by the way. Like, you're not important anymore, Baltimore. You're not important. We're not in the era. We're not in the league of, oh, my gosh, like, we can just win without our quarterback. It's not how this works. You want to win games. You want to be relevant. You want to be good. Get a quarterback. Put weapons around him, which they have. They've tried and admittedly like semi-failed, but then they've had success with obviously Rashad Bateman, who I love. Now, I didn't love him when he came out of college. I didn't love him when he was in college. I was just like, I don't get it. But Rashad Bateman, really, really good player now. But I, I don't I don't understand why the Baltimore Ravens are so stubborn on Lamar Jackson. It's to me absurd to even be like, well, he's not, he is not the reason why they are two and one. And really, if his defense had fucking shown up against the Miami Dolphins at the end of the fucking game, they would be fucking three and oh. Three and oh. And we wouldn't even be having this conversation. So, anyways, that's the podcast. I'm back. Let me sit down. Let me take a seat. I'm back.
I'll be back for the rest of this week outside of Thursday. Or no, should I be back Thursday? We'll have, yeah, we'll have the Music Matters podcast on Thursday because we're going to be listening to Taylor Swift's reputation. Why are we listening to Taylor Swift's reputation? Because Taylor Swift is going to release a new album in less than a month. I'm super excited. This is going to be my first ever Taylor Swift album. Oh my God. I'm so excited to see if she releases any, <laughs> any, um, any singles whatsoever. Oh my gosh. I'm also like, I just saw a clip of the, uh, of the Ken Dorsey, the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator who fucking, <laughs> destroyed he destroyed the uh the fucking uh the uh the booth that he was in oh my god that was so funny the the box that he was in where all the other coaches were oh my god that was so funny ah jesus christ oh yeah, yeah 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 i forgot i forgot you know what i forgot to look this up oh i missed this this sucks Apparently, Jupiter was going to be the biggest star in the night sky last night, and I was going to try and, like, look at it. And apparently also, because of, like, science, and I was also going to, like, look at, um, and, and I apparently, apparently it's just, like, not just Jupiter, but some of its moons. It actually looks pretty cool. That's, I missed it. That sucks. I kind of wanted to see it. It's not going to happen for, like, an additional 107 years, so I'm going to be long dead. But, eh, that's cool. Anyways, I'm peacing out for tonight or for today. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll probably get into college football. And um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyways, I'm peacing out. I'll see you tomorrow. College football, a little bit of it. Plus some more NFL because there's been some injuries and things of that nature. I haven't even talked about Kenny Galladay and, and his little tete-a-tete with the uh with the new york giants and things of that nature but we'll talk about that tomorrow we'll talk about some of the injuries tomorrow miles garrett is or was in a car accident the injuries were not quote-unquote life-threatening but it seems i saw his porsche yesterday and it's bad it it did not look good and i'm not the reason why i'm not gonna like talk about it too much today is just simply put because it's just like i i don't really know and like i don't really know what's going on so i'm just gonna wait for more information and i'll see what happens hopefully in the next 24 hours anyways i'm peacing out for tonight today i don't know why i keep saying tonight it's literally broad daylight right now but i'm peacing out 24th podcast <laughs>